Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from John's gospel, from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Now, I invite you to stand as you're able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson this morning. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I grew up in church, so I have a ton of Bibles. In fact, if you're thinking about buying a Bible, come talk to me first. I'll let you test drive one before you go purchase one. I've got a ton of Bibles. My home church, Johnson Chapel United Methodist Church, they believe in giving out Bibles. So I got a Bible for basically every life event in my life. When I was baptized, like we did here at St. Matthew's, I got one of those little bitty white Bibles. You know what I'm talking about? Got one of those. If your child was baptized here at St. Matthew's, you got one of those same type of white Bibles. So I got that. Then when I was third grade, we gave Bibles to every, every child they turned third grade. I'm 47, so I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. If you're my age and you went to a Methodist church, you probably got the same kind of young reader's Bible that I got at that age. I kept it. I still have it. When my kids were younger, we actually read to them out of that Bible. So I, I have that Bible. Then when I, when I was confirmed, I got the, you know, the nicer, the little pleather Bible, you know, with your name. And back in the olden days, we still had religious bookstores like Cokesbury and Lifeway, you can get a Bible, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of impressed on. I had my name on it. It was very fancy, very proud of that one. So I got that when I was 13 and I was confirmed. Got one when I graduated. I still got that one somewhere in a drawer somewhere. Like I got Bibles coming out of my ears. I'm a preacher. But when I was 17, I got my Bible. When I was 17, my parents gave to me an NIV student application Bible. If you're my age, you probably have either had this Bible or you have seen this Bible. And this is my Bible. This is the Bible that I really read. I'm an underliner and a highlighter and a Bible guy. I got to buy a new Bible every few years because I highlight them too much. And this is the Bible that I highlighted everything in and I underlined stuff in. And you open up the cover of this Bible, there were verses that spoke to me that, that, that I wrote out in the margins. And I said, when angry, read this passage. When depressed, read this passage. When tempted, read this passage. This is my Bible. This Bible is very precious to me. It wasn't very fancy. It was just a hardback Bible. This is my Bible. When I, when I went to college and got an adult Bible, my NIV study Bible, I gave it to my nephew who was in high school as a precious gift or something that had a lot of, a lot of wisdom in it. I don't know about a lot of wisdom, a lot of reading in it, a lot of yellow in it. 
And that was the verse, that was the Bible where I found the verses that to this day mean so much to me. When I was in youth group, the, 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 our volunteer youth leader suggested one, for a season we each do a devotional out of what our favorite verse of the Bible was. And that was the first time I ever really readily read the Bible looking for something to say. And we were a bunch of dumb teenagers, so we weren't paying a lick of attention. But the Lord led me to Psalm 73. Who have I in, on earth but you, O Lord? And who have I in heaven but you? And that's a psalm that talks about how Sometimes following God's scary. Sometimes following God's hard. Sometimes, in fact, you look at folks not following God, and they got better than we do. You're like, well, Lord, look what they're doing. Look what I'm doing. Like, they got it better than me, yet I'm trying to follow you. And the psalmist says it doesn't matter. Turn your eyes to God. doesn't matter what they got. Because who have I on earth but you? And who do I desire in heaven but you? I found that passage in that Bible. Romans 8, 28. All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. You know me. You know my story. You know the tragedy that I've dealt with in life and the hurt that I've had to process. And that verse is so key to me. All things work for good. Not that all things are good, but that all things can work for good. There's not a single thing in our life that we go through that God can't bring something good out of. All things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Love that verse. But today's passage has my, and everybody picks at me, said, Andy, whatever verse you're preaching from is your favorite passage. And that's probably true. But today's passage is my absolute favorite verse in all the Bible. The thief comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came for abundant life. He came to give us abundant life. He came to give us joy, y'all. He came that we can know joy and have joy and have peace. And that is what the world needs right now, y'all. And somebody once said, Lord, save us from sour face saints. The gospel should be joyous. The gospel should be peaceful. The gospel should be good news. There's a world out there that's angry and mad and sad and blowing each other up. And there's got to be something attractive about Jesus, y'all. We have got to live such an abundant, joyful life that it makes my Jesus attractive. Are we living in a way where lost folk, where folk who don't know Jesus say, I want what they've got. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want that hope. I want that love. The guy who led me to Christ never witnessed to me. But he had such a radical, joyful life that I said, I want what he's got. I want the joy that he's got and the peace that he's got and the hope that he's got. I want that. And that's what attracted me to Jesus was the joy that my friend had. We have got to live into the joy and the abundance of the life that God has given us. And y'all, that's what the world needs now more than ever, is a church that's full of the abundant joy of Jesus. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Rob our joy, steal our lives, and destroy our souls.
But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. There's nothing I hate more than a testimony where somebody says, man, before I met Jesus, I did this and I did that and I did this and that did that. And then I got saved. The Christian life should be joyful. We should be having more fun now as Christians than we ever had when we were lost. We have to be joyful and attractive for our Savior, for this world, to know the good news of Jesus. That's what it is, y'all. It's good news. It is good news in a world desperate for it. That's what we're called to do. And that's what God's word today says we're supposed to do, is to live abundant lives. Well, that's easy enough, right? Well, how do we know that abundant life? And I think we see it there in the text. Jesus says this, the sheep know my voice. And they do not follow any other voice because any other voice is the thief. But the sheep follow my voice. The way that we know abundant life is that we've tuned our ears to hear the voice of the shepherd. My daughter's down at Southern, majoring in music. And one of the classes she's taking taking is ear training. Tim and Beth, they do the music. They know about ear training. My ear is not trained. You can see it by the musical selections that I make. But a musician trains their ear to hear. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Are we training our ear to hear the good news of Jesus? Are we training our ear to hear the abundant life of Jesus? And y'all, that, that, that's hard. Because there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of voices out there. A lot of like, y'all, some of the voices are easy to know they're not the good shepherd. Some voices are easy to discern. Like, if there's a voice telling you to go rob a bank, that's not of God, okay? Let's just be clear. That's not a godly voice. Don't do it. But that's pretty easy to understand. That's, that's pretty easy to discern. That voice is not of God. That that's a false shepherd. But it becomes harder sometimes. Because what if the voice says this? I mean, they've hurt you, Right? What they did was wrong. And they haven't even asked forgiveness yet. You shouldn't forgive them. They should at least say sorry first. You shouldn't forgive them. Not until they ask or beg or at least look sorry for it. So don't forgive them. That voice feels right, doesn't it? <laughs> that voice feels right. That voice feels almost just. But that voice leads us into a path of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is destructive to our souls. Unforgiveness is a voice that kills our very souls. In fact, unforgiveness is a voice that robs, kills, and destroys. 
What about the voice that says, you know, you got to work really hard. And it doesn't matter if your family doesn't see you or you're never around because you're working for your family and that's okay. And that's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Work's good. Adam and Eve worked in the garden before the fall. Work is not a product of the fall. Work is was given before the fall. We should work. But the greatest gift you can offer your family is your presence. The greatest gift you can offer your family is being there for them and loving them and nurturing and leading and guiding and directing. That is a greater voice. But see, that voice that tells us all that matters is what we accumulate, well, that voice sounds good, doesn't it? But that's not truly the voice of the good shepherd is. We've got to train our ears to hear the voice of the good shepherd. Because the voice of this world is going to tell us to punch back, isn't it? That's what the world tells us. In fact, the world tells us, don't wait to punch back. Punch them first preemptively. That's, that's just good sense, right? Get them. What are you, some kind of carpet to be walked on? Some kind of rug? No, you got to stand up for yourself. Get them. What did Jesus say? Something about turning the cheek, or the cheek or something. We've got to tune our ears, y'all. We've got to train our ears to hear the voice of the good shepherd. Well, how do we do that? The ways we, we know. We read our Bible. We pray. We go to church. We worship. We serve. We do. We, we place ourselves in places where we're uncomfortable, where we only can depend upon God's grace. Y'all, if you have never placed your faith in a place where you're uncomfortable, if you are only doing things in your faith that you can do via your own strength or your own goodness or your own righteousness, if you're only doing what you can do on your own two feet and you're never uncomfortable, well, your faith will never grow. It isn't until we try something that makes us a little uncomfortable. It isn't until we try something where we're out on the ledge. We're like, Lord, this is crazy. I can't do this. It isn't until we can only depend upon God that we actually depend upon God. Because I don't know about you, but I'm just arrogant enough to think I can do it myself. I'm just arrogant enough to think I can do it myself. I don't need you or God or anybody because I got this. How many times has the staff heard me say, I got this? That's how arrogant I am. And I need Jesus' voice to call me to humility. And Jesus' voice to call me to following the shepherd. And Jesus' voice calling me to follow. We've got to put forth the effort. Getting saved is easy. Believe in your heart, confess your mouth, shall be saved. If you're not saved, let's talk. We can fix that problem today. But being faithful means giving God the space to work in our lives. It's not that we make ourselves perfect. It's not that we sanctify ourselves. It's God does it. God's grace is the one that does it. But we've got to make ourselves available to allow him to work on our hearts. One of my favorite quotes is this. It's by a pastor I'm not the biggest fan of, John Piper. But John Piper says this. 
The reason social media exists is so that on the day of judgment, we cannot tell God that our lack of prayerfulness was because of lack of time. What if instead of scrolling, we were praying? What if instead of scrolling, we were praying? What if instead of scrolling, we were reading? What if instead of scrolling, let's go from preaching to meddling? What if instead of scrolling, we were serving? We've got to tune our heart, tune our ears to hear the voice of the shepherd and follow where it is he calls us. And what happens when we tune our ears to the voice of the shepherd, then we'll actually know what's not the shepherd's voice. Uh, My friend Sam Morris, Sam told a story years ago about one of his trips to Israel. And he was on a bus and they were trapped out in the southern desert part of Israel. And he sees the shepherd and the sheep and he thinks, oh, this is a great chance to teach the, the, the people about shepherds and sheep. So they get closer to the shepherd and the sheep. And they, as they get closer, they, they see instead of the shepherd leading the sheep, the sheep are walking and the shepherd's chasing after them. So instead of the shepherd following the sheep, the sheep are going, the ch- shepherd's following them, chasing after them. They said, he said, why are the sheep following the voice of the shepherd? Why are they running from their shepherd? And the driver said, he's not their shepherd. The sheep will run from any voice that is not the voice of the shepherd. Y'all, the shepherd wants to lead us to abundant life. The shepherd wants us to have abundant life. But we've got to train our ears listen. We've got to train our hearts to receive. We've got to train our souls to know. And sometimes the shepherd calls us to places we don't want to go. Sometimes the best path forward for abundant life is repentance or forgiveness or uncomfort. Sometimes that's where he calls us to those places like that that I don't want to go to. But if I don't follow the voice of the shepherd, even if it's to a place that Andy Stoddard may not choose to go, then I will never know abundant life. The thief comes to rob and kill and destroy. But he has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. May God give us the grace to know the voice of the shepherd. And may God give us the grace to follow that shepherd's voice wherever it leads. Let us pray.